0: Take your Bibles, turn to the book of Luke, chapter six, if you would please, and look in verse 48. Now let me, let me back up just a, just a couple of verses, I think I wanna go back to, let's look at verse 45, 46. And it says, why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Whosoever cometh to me and heareth my sayings and doeth them, I will show you to whom he is like. Verse 48, he is like a man which built a house and dig deep and laid the foundation on a rock. And when the floods arose and the stream beat vehemently upon the house and could not shake it for it was founded upon a rock. But he that heareth and doeth not is like a man that is without a foundation built a house upon the earth and against which the stream did beat vehemently, and immediately it fell. And the ruin of that house was great. Father, we ask your blessings upon the message this evening. I pray, Holy Spirit, you'll help me and guide me. Help us to listen. May we all learn some things that would, would benefit us and our families and our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We live in a in a world today, as it's no secret that things are really kind of kind of strange. Uh, some call them confounded, some call them confused. Uh, we, we don't see a whole lot of wisdom taking place. We, the society is basically, for the most part right now, unchurched and very scripturally ignorant. And even those that do go to church, their scriptural knowledge is, is re- very limited these days. They have, because of that, to fit their lifestyle and to fit their wants and needs and passions, they change rules, they change guidelines, and they change definitions. One of the greatest, greatest harms to this country is the changing of definitions. Uh, Supreme Court changed the definition of marriage, and from that ruling alone, you just look how, look what television has done. Look, at, look what society has done. And everybody, everybody is now accept, accepting the gay movement when that goes totally against scripture. You can argue it. It's the word of God. You may, you, you may treat them differently and treat them with, with, uh, with kindness as I think you should. However, scripturally, it's wrong. Fornication's wrong. And, but we like to change the definition. So we are trying to get this country back into some normalcy, but we can't. And we look at Washington, D.C., and we look at presidents, and we look at congressmen and senators, and we think, why aren't you acting wisely? Why aren't you doing things that are right? And it's because the foundations have gone, and they, are, they have been broken down, and they are continually being broken down. It was the preachers of the last two generations that really thundered this out, and they did a great job on it. And they really, I believe, I think we would have been where we are now 35 and 40 years ago had the John R. Rices and the Jack Hiles and Lee Robersons not thundered these things out in those days. But now we, the Bible says in Psalms 11:3, "If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? What can we do?" I mean, do we, we, you know, fold up our tents and we go find an obscure place to live? Then we're not, then we're breaking, by doing so, we're breaking uh, the, the laws of God because God told us to go out and reach the world for Christ. You can't do that if you're held up in a small little community in Wyoming. And you're going off the grid because you're going to rear your family alone. Now listen, you know, that may sound like a good idea, and I doubt anybody here is going to do that, but, but the truth is that's not what God had in mind for us to do. we go back to Genesis, started, starting at the beginning. If we want to figure out what to do, we've got to look at what God did. And first of all, God created the whole, the whole world. Let's go back to Genesis chapter 2, if you would, please. And I want you to look at, we're going to read several verses here. Genesis chapter 2, I'm going to start in verse 15. Now bear in mind that the world at this point in time, there was no sin, right? Adam and Eve had not sinned yet at this point in in Scripture. So God created the heavens and the earth, and he put Adam and Eve in the garden, and he starts humanity. A perfect place, a perfect world. But look in Genesis chapter 2. And the Lord took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest eat freely, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helpmeet for him. And out of the ground the Lord formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them into Adam to see what he would call them and whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all the cattle and to the fowl of the air and to every beast of the field, but for Adam there was not found a helpmeet for him. Verse 21, and the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. In these verses here and one other verse, the the introduction of humanity to this world, God sets the foundation that we should live upon, even to this day. You say, well, you know, this world has gone to hell in a handbasket and there doesn't seem like there's anything that we can do. You're probably right. It may take just God intervening with a revival unlike we'd ever seen before to take, take what's being done now and fixing it. But you can, you can take your own world and you can make it upon, and build it upon a foundation, the foundation that God laid, laid for us here in the book of Genesis. And I want you to take a look at that. You're going to write down a few things if you want to that might help you. In chapter 2, verse 15, the first foundation that God laid was work. The Lord took the man and put him in the garden to dress it and to keep it. And then he looked down in verse 19, out of the ground, God formed every beast of the field and of the air and brought them to Adam. To, to, he would name them and call them by their names and gave them names. So the first thing that God gave Adam to, to do was work. Now, we don't, we don't think of that in light of a perfect world. We, we didn't think that Adam had to work because well, the Bible gave him, God gave him jobs to do. One of the things that's missing in many of our homes, and I, I, would like to think in our, in our, our church here in our Christian, Christian realm that we do a pretty good job. And mainly from the children and kids that I've been around, we do a pretty good job in teaching our kids to work. I got to give you credit for that. And you can, our kids earn their way at their senior trips, and uh, they, uh, they're having car, car washes on Saturday to help raise money, and they'll, and they'll work, and they'll work hard. But those of you who have children coming up, one of the great blessings you can give to your child is not a fancy house, but a lot of work to do. And and I'm not lying on this. I was 18 years old before I I found out Labor Day was a holiday. (laughs) Labor Day, my, my dad would not let any of us go anywhere. He was off work that day, and I just thought it was the time of the year where you just got things done at the house. But you know, me and my brothers and sisters, we've all we all learned to work. We all learned to pay our own way. And uh, if we wanted to go to camp, we paid our way to camp. If we wanted to go on the activities, we paid our way for activities. The mom and dad helped on some things here and there, but and school bills and things of that nature. But even that, you know, my dad would bring armatures home from, from the mill that were being thrown out, and his boss gave them to him, and we would strip the copper out of those armatures. Me and my two brother, uh, brothers that were close to my age, and, we would bust that out and, and, and take uh, wire snips and, and snip that copper out. Dad would scrap it and pay school bill. We all learned to work. Everybody had to work. And In our home, we, we had all kinds of chores that mom and dad had for us. And Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes 2 verse 24 says, There's nothing better for a man that he should eat and drink and that he should make his soul enjoy good in his labor. This also I saw that it was from the hand of God. Labor is good. You know, labor, though Adam had to work in the garden, and teenagers are in here tonight, they're not in their, their service, so you gotta listen to this. You know, Adam and Eve, they, they were without sin when God created them, but he gave them work to do. They were they would enjoy their work, I would guess. I can't imagine, the Bible doesn't even say that they griped and grumbled about about working. And it's something that we ought to To learn to do, a a young person that learns to work becomes focused. He can can have better attention on things in life. He becomes accomplished, things that he has done in his life, and uh, jobs that he has done. He feels like he has has contributed to the family and to to something. Also, there is fulfillment that a child gets when he works. And I don't believe that fulfillment is like what you're thinking. Like boy, I did that. I built that. No, I think that's accomplishment. Fulfillment comes when when you don't get it because you accomplish something. You get you get it when you we get fulfilled when we complete someone. Work helps complete a boss. It helps com- complete a job. It helps complete people. And we you know we learn to work. We learn to enjoy work. We get focused, we get accomplished and we get fulfilled in life. And young people today, and you can turn on any, any uh, television newscast and they'll talk about during COVID time. I'm glad I didn't, I wasn't a teenager during COVID time. Can you imagine what my parents would have put me through? I'd have been begging to go to church and go to school. But, you know, kids today are not feeling accomplished. They're not feeling, uh, they're not able to express themselves because they're not in the classes in many cases. And, you know, a lot of that, is, in my opinion, is because they are not working. They're video gaming. They're, they're doing other things uh, and watching movies and, and uh, not learning to do uh, chores and not accomplishing things in their life. So one of the foundations of this society is work. Teenagers, if, if somebody calls you a good worker, they have given you high praise. If they can't give you a job and turn their back and you accomplish that job, you're, you're not scriptural. You have not built for your life, your future, your mate, a foundation that's built upon work. Let's look at another verse in verse 17. Verse 17 there. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest, thereof thou shalt surely die. All of a sudden, God now in this perfect world, what does he set up? Rules and guidelines or authority. Rules and guidelines or authority. Let's just call it authority right now. Even in a perfect world, God said, I'm going to make some boundaries here. This tree is my tree. Stay away from it. Don't eat it. Now, when God said that, I imagine Adam and Eve looked at that and said, no problem. Now, we got plenty here. There's plenty to eat. There's plenty of trees to climb. There's plenty of fruit. There's, there's all kinds of things we can do here. And uh, that tree yours. That's fine. I'm sure they thought of that. And you know what? But God still, still set guidelines down. Moms and dads and, and teenagers, you're hating me tonight. I apologize. No, I don't. You need this. Moms and dads, your household is your realm. Your children have responsibility to you and your household. They They ought to obey you. They ought to obey all of authority. Your child ought never come home and be able to say what they want to say about a teacher or a leader. We never allowed that in our home. We never allowed them to say it about politicians or presidents. These are our authorities. As a parent, I am authority. When we start breaking down the authority of our society, we start breaking down our own. And we wonder why our teenagers don't want to listen to policemen. We wonder why they don't want to listen to the principals at school. We don't want to. Uh, we don't know why uh, they don't listen to a school bus driver. I have neighbors who drive for a local school, <coughs> and um, they uh, they said, you know, Eddie he said it's just crazy how the children behave on the bus. It's awful. And there is not one thing that we can do. We can tell them to sit down. We can tell them to stop their language. We can tell them, but if they don't want to do it, the only thing that we can do is pull the bus over and park it. And we tell them, we're staying here until you behave. He goes, I've sat there 10, 15 minutes before. And if we stay a certain number of minutes, we're then uh, we're told that we've got to call the police and the police will come and remedy the situation. But you know, that's a far cry from a bus driver calling my dad. And they're not allowed to call the parents there's, because there's no respect or little respect of authority. It's hard to get a yes sir and a yes ma'am and a no sir and a no man out, out of a young person today. And I'm glad we teach these things in our school, and I'm glad our principals uh, pay, pay close attention to that, and they try to get across a heritage to our young people, and part of that heritage is are these, these building blocks, or these foundations that God, God put in the Bible from back in the beginning of time. And parents, they ought to respect you, they ought to respect leadership. Parents, you ought to respect leadership. You ought to respect God. You ought to to pay attention in church. You ought to read the Bible during scripture reading. (coughs) You ought to tithe to church. You ought to do your best to lead by example, by you believing in God and you trusting God and you obeying God and you obeying the local authorities and you obeying the preacher and you obeying those that have the rule over you. And pass that on. Look back if, we, if you would in chapter 2 again, verse 24 20, 21, let's start there. The Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam and he slept and he took one of his ribs and closed upon uh, the flesh, uh, closed up the flesh instead thereof, and the rib which the Lord had, God had taken from man, he made woman, and brought her unto the man. And God said, Now this is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of the man. The third building block or the third foundation that God had set for us back back in Genesis here was marriage. Was marriage. It was between the only two human beings on earth. There wasn't a third one. And mankind could call marriage whatever they want. They can change the rules all they want. But it doesn't change the doctrine of the Bible. It doesn't change what God said and what God made it. And our young people are learning today to be very accepting of a a neutral gender and uh, waiting for children and juniors to decide what gender they're going to be. And that's so anti-Bible because God never has made a mistake. And when he created you and he created me, he did it specifically. Then God decided to put a man and a woman together <coughs> because what was coming in another building blocked the family in just a few moments. We'll get to, but he had a mom and a dad, a husband and wife. He had marriage. And our marriages ought to be, as, as uh, uh, Brother Warren Johnson so just uh, uh, ably explained to us, how a marriage and a, a, a family should exude the laws of God and the presence of God and the light of Jesus Christ and how the family ought to be a gospel tract to the world. And every one of us, including us senior citizens here, we ought to be making our marriage an example for those who come behind us. Those who look to us and want to have that peace, that, that, uh, that joy, that happiness, that love. And one of the things that example that marriage gives it to others, it gives them a good opinion of God. And you young people that want to get married just because you want to live with somebody, I, I get and I understand that. But your marriage is far more important than that. Right. It's showing forth the goodness of God. And it's something that our young people ought to be looking forward to. It's something that they ought to be, be uh, excited about being a part of and getting married. And the, the fourth thing here is, turn to Genesis chapter 3 verse 16. <coughs> the next chapter He said unto the woman, he he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. He now brings in the family, that family, that nucleus there of human beings. To have a mother and a father. God thought the family was so special and it took so much work and effort to make it right. He gave them two adults to oversee. And husband, it's not your, wife, your wife's job only to rear the children. And, and moms, it's not y- your job only to allow the husband to rear the children. It's both of yours. You both can help. You both can provide. You both can can uh, uh, discipline when things get need to be disciplined. You both can have interaction with your family and stay on top of things and be on top of your kids' moods and be on top of their problems and know when they're hurting <clears throat> and know when they're failing, know when they're succeeding. Go to their ball games. Go to their special events. Watch them sing in church. It's your job to bring that nucleus together. I think families ought to, to eat together at suppertime. I think they ought to sit together in church, and if you're not sitting with your children tonight, that's I'm, I'm, your choice. But I think everything that you do ought to be to help your family to become stronger and better than they are today. Your neighbors will see that. Your friends will see that. Your children will one day thank you for making that family so important. That love that you have for each other, that discipline, dads, you've given your children to work. That discipline you've given them to do their homework and to get their their projects in on time. the, The efforts that you have gone through to help pay school tuition. Not that every family turns out perfectly or every child turns out perfectly in a home. But it still ought to be the core focus of our life is to make our family a unit. Conflicts can be resolved at home instead of in police stations. Communication with our children can be done instead of kids getting all their information about life and the worldliness of this world through television, video games, music, and friends. God calls our children stewards we call calls our children for us they are stewards of these kids they belong to God so we're to teach them what their spiritual gifts are and how to use them for the Lord we're to teach them and give them opportunities for spiritual understanding you know <clears throat> by having them here in church tonight is is a, a validation of your love for your children because you uh, you have come from work you've come from south lake county you've come from illinois to get make sure your kids were here and uh to, for spiritual edification for spiritual training and you know what there are far more people outside of this room tonight than are inside of this room the truth is there's far more christians in this area tonight outside of of this room than are inside of this room, and but you have chosen to give your kids that spiritual training that they need tonight to help them one day fight the spiritual fight. It's been said that clay is only moldable for a little while, and we ought to take the opportunity to help them in this area of their life. Dad's words have more of an impact than what than what you think. Nobody influences a boy like his dad. And I realize in some of your homes, there's not a dad there. But you know what? If I were you, I would make sure that my children, guys and girls, had male influence on their life. And last, if you would, turn to chapter 3. Verse, let's look in verse 8. The last part of the foundation that God gave And verse 8 says, And they heard the voice of God as they were walking in the cool of the day. What did God want Adam to do, Adam and Eve to do every day? He wanted to have fellowship with them. To have fellowship with them. And now this course is written when they had sinned. And they were hiding from God. You know, the one thing that every Christian in this room, moms and dads, teenagers, college students, is you need to have a relationship with God. The youth directors and I, we talked this week, just yesterday, about youth conference, and this is one of the things that we brought up, is our goal when we preach revivals, when we preach camps, when we preach at our youth conference, is to help every young person to develop a heart for God. And all of these things that we have mentioned, from from work, to authority, to marriage, to uh, family, all of these things ought to be working together to help your young people, to help you to have a relationship with God, and that family to have a walk with God, that family to take that, uh, that God that they know and they've, they've received in their heart and take it out in the street and tell others about it, take it to a bus route and bring other people to church and sit with visitors in Sunday school and help disciple them and get them to where they can know more about God as well. We can't fix this world out there, but we can fix our world. We can fix our family. We can get our, our nucleus here. We can get our church family together to where we definitely have a heart for God. We believe in authority. We work at our marriages. We have a good work ethic. You see, otherwise, you know, God's got to take care of this world. It's too big for us. Nobody here and anybody you talk to has got a different answer of what can be done. And none of it will work without moms and dads, pastors and preachers understanding what it's all about. And that's the foundations. That's building that foundation that helps us become what we're supposed to become, a family that is professing the light of Christ. Children that walk in newness of life. New converts that come down uh, these aisles and receive Jesus Christ as their Savior and get baptized and are entered into our family again. That's the only thing that we can know to do. You know, when this church was going through some very difficult days, Brother Wilkerson came to be our pastor. What did he do? Hey, let's all get discipleship. Let's go back to the foundations of the doctrines of the scripture. And man, in just a little over two years' time, close to 3,000 people, members of this church, went through discipleship. Spirits were changed. Lives were changed. People were so winning You're passing out tracts. You're giving to missions. Man, well over $1.8 million last year to missions. When you get the foundations right, the building can can go big and it can last for a long time.